0: As a therapist, when I think of to love your neighbor as yourself, the first thing that comes to mind is the languaging. The way it is phrased, it is very clear that the only way to love your neighbor and to be there for others is by first knowing and learning what loving self looks like. Jung stipulates that the self is where we gain individuation and that's where we basically gain our moral compass, our view of the world. That's what affects how we interact with others. Loving self can be difficult because we're constantly juxtaposed with this idea, this concept of selfishness and how selfishness is undesirable. It's something that you don't want to be and don't want to become. So what's the difference between selfishness and loving self? Selfishness is connected to giving ourselves what we want. What we want is tied to Our feelings and our feelings are constantly in motion they are constantly shifting they aren't permanent and therefore it's this insatiable bottomless pit where if all we are doing is giving ourselves what we want we never quite get full self-love is connected to our needs when we meet our needs that can get filled and that boils over, it carries over, and therefore it it naturally carries on to others. But how do we d- identify our needs? One of the things I find most interesting is connected to the passage prior. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. When we take care of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, then we are, we are addressing our needs. For me, that looks like at the end of a full day of therapy, when all I want to do is get into my PJs and Lay's, that really what I need is a space to move my body, to process my day, to, to engage in physical movement, and exercise, to, to dialogue, and to get that out. And when I do that, that spills over in how I parent, how I'm a friend how I'm a wife, and so challenging myself to really pay attention to what I need is what I think loving self means.
1: Please stand for the reading of the word. One more time, we are in Mark 12, 28 to 31. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The Word of God. You may be seated. How well do you love yourself? I preached the very first message in this series, and I was preaching about the heart, and I was talking about our feelings and how our feelings can can shift, and how sometimes we deal with dislike uh, for someone or maybe even God. And one of you afterwards came up to me and said this profound statement. You said, sometimes the person I dislike the most is the one I see in the mirror every day. You are not alone. The body shop uh, did a study, a survey of 22,000 people in November of 2020, from 21 different countries, in an index that they called self-love, basically uh, the feelings, of, the person's feelings of self-worth, happiness, well-being, and in that survey of 22,000 people, they found that one in two people felt more self-doubt than self-love. One in two. Six out of ten said that they wished they had more respect. For themselves. Six out of ten people said, I wish I respected myself more. 41% of people in Gen Z fell into the lowest self-love group. 41%. Thank you so much, Gen Z, for leading us in worship today. Amen? <laughs> we appreciate you. We, we love you. We love you. In the U.S., 73% of those using social media more than two hours a day said that they often wish their body was different. How much time do you spend wishing that you were different? Different in your body. Different in your habits. Or maybe you even wish you had a better attitude towards yourself. Different. Now, some of us, may have gotten the idea that it's more spiritual to be down on ourselves. After all, doesn't the Bible say, Psalms 51, verse 5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Doesn't Isaiah 64, 6 say, All of us have become like someone who is unclean. All the good things we do are like dirty rags to you. All of us are like leaves that have dried up. Our sins sweep us away like the wind. Or perhaps you remember Romans uh, where it says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. We're unclean sinners, dried up, swept away nothing good in us. On top of getting the idea that we ought to put ourselves down, many of us were taught that we ought to put others above ourselves. So in other words, you're no good, and be sure to take care of everybody else before you. Doesn't the Bible say, after all, Philippians 2 Verse three and four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. As a teenager, I remember learning an acronym. I'm gonna gonna ask you, before we show the slide, before we show the slide, I wanna see anybody else who remembers this, joy. Joy stands for Jesus, then others, then There were a few teenagers when I was a teenager (laughs) that you remember that. Okay, go ahead and and show that. Um, Jesus, others, you. This was said to be the way to happiness. You serve Jesus first, then you care about everybody else, and then you take care of yourself. The Wednesday before last, I had the joy of experiencing Rebecca Warren Crane's art exhibit in the Zapara School of Business called Speaking for Myself, and I got to see it in person. I was so excited because Rebecca and Ken are our members here. They were traveling this weekend, but normally they're sitting right there, and you'll, you'll meet them in the... A cafe helping, and you'll see them across the street, Ken's teaching. They're incredible people, and Rebecca's artwork is really amazing. And I'd been following it through newsletters that she sends out, and I was so excited that finally I would get to go and see her work in person. And when I saw it, and I knew what I was preaching about the Sabbath, I said, Rebecca, can we please have one of your art pieces? and have it here as I preach, and she graciously entrusted us to, to have it here with us today. So this is the, the the chair, or you can see it on the screen, on the chair, this is uh, her piece of artwork, and it's her own, right here you can see um, an arm, and it's her own arm cast in bronze, and then attached to this chair, with three, three-legged chair. And she called this piece of artwork, Mom. And I'm gonna read the description that she, that she gave in, in her uh, presentation of her art. She said, homage to mother, the parent who creates comfort for others at the expense of her own physical and mental well-being. She'd give her right arm for her family, her child. She sacrifices and is praised for her selflessness. All the while she feels her efforts, she fears her efforts are not enough, not appreciated, not noticed or valued. She never questions her belief that she must hold up and hold together everything and everyone else. She fears looking after herself and her own needs because then she will look selfish. Rebecca calls this, homage to mother or mom, and I hear the homage, but I also hear the critique. The three-legged chair doesn't look too stable to me. The mother, quote, never questions, and she must hold up and hold together, and she fears even as she is praised. This posture, this posture right here comes at a cost. Jesus Others, you, comes at a cost. It's said to be the way to joy, but in my experience and perhaps yours, it's often the way to resentment. When I was ordained as an elder in this very sanctuary as a college student, as a pastoral intern here, got ordained as an elder, and my wonderful mother, who I love so, so much and such a cheerleader, thank you, mom, uh, she gave me a book that I still have today, and it's called Boundaries, Boundaries. I love this book. This is a life-changing book. Um, it's by Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, and I highly recommend it, or one of its many iterations. They have boundaries for marriage and boundaries for dating, boundaries with your mother, and all sorts of different boundaries books, but read one of them. Um, I highly recommend it. In the book, um, the, uh, Cloud and Townsend take the story of the Good Samaritan. We talked about the Good Samaritan last week, and they expand on an imaginary ending of the Good Samaritan story. So in Luke, the Samaritan leaves the man with an innkeeper. He says he would reimburse the innkeeper with any expenses when he comes back. So he leaves and go, goes about his journey. So in the book's imaginary ending, the injured man wakes up and says, What? You're leaving? And the Samaritan says, Well, yes, I have some business in Jericho I have to attend to. And the man says, Don't you think you're being selfish? I'm in pretty bad shape here. I'm gonna need someone to talk to. How is Jesus gonna use you as an example? You're not even acting like a Christian, abandoning me in my time of need. Whatever happened to deny yourself? Why, I guess you're right, the Samaritan says. That would be uncaring of me to leave you here alone. I should do more. I will postpone my trip by a few days. On the afternoon of the third day, there's a knock at the door and the messenger comes in. He hands the Samaritan a message from his business contacts in Jericho. Quote, waited as long as we could, have decided to sell camels to another party. Our next herd will be here in six months. How could you do this to me? The Samaritan screams at the recovering man, waving the message in the air. Look what you've done now. You've caused me to lose the camels I needed for my business. Now I can't deliver my goods. This may put me out of business. How could you do this to me? This story is all too familiar. Many of us are moved with compassion to help someone. We feel called to help someone. We have an idea in our mind what that is. And that the person turns back and says, no, that's not enough. And then we're like, okay, I'll do a little bit more. Even though I don't have any more to do or to give. And still the person is like, not enough. And so we start feeling resentment. And the needs that we are called by God to take care of, we're not taking care of. Jesus, others, you, is a recipe not for joy, but for resentment. When we ignore our own needs and care for others' needs, we're emptying our cup. Thank you so much, Melissa Williams, for the wonderful words on the video. Our own uh, in-house therapist here, thank you so much for for doing what you do. Amen. You'll often see Melissa leading praise, too, by the way. Um, She's committed here, so thank you for, for that. We need to care for our own needs so that then we can, our, our fullness can spill over into being able to care for the needs of others. It's like the instructions you hear when you fly on the plane. What are you supposed to do in the event of an emergency? When you fly in the plane, you're supposed to put your what? You're supposed to put your own oxygen mask first. Why? Because you're gonna be unconscious if you don't you won't be able to help anyone else and the poor the poor flight attendants are going to be running around trying to rescue you all right put your own oxygen mask first it feels selfish it feels selfish but not caring for ourselves will eventually stop us from caring for anyone else yes The Bible describes us as those verses I read at the beginning, the Bible describes us as being hopelessly and utterly flawed without a Savior. That is true. The truth is that we are broken. We are. We are broken. But that's not the whole picture. The Bible also highlights our value as human beings. Genesis 2 verse 27 says God created humans in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. We are made in the very image of God. Psalms 139 verse 14 says I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and that I know very well. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are what he has made, created in Christ Jesus for good works Which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. You and I are not only broken, we're not only flawed, you and I are made in God's very image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created to do incredible good works that bring glory to God. We are beautiful. We are beautiful. Now, we could spend all day arguing over whether we're unclean, dried up, nothing good sinners, or whether we're carriers of God's image prepared for good works. We could argue all day about that, and a lot of people do. Here's the truth we are both. Neither is complete, neither is the whole reality. And it's important to remember both. Why? Because when we forget our brokenness, guess what happens? We develop a superiority complex. As part of the art exhibit, Rebecca also shared another piece and she called it Daily Sacrament Communion with all sinners and saints and it features glass prescription bottles. In her recording she talks about the the communion of Taking, as a sinner and a saint, all of us, taking these medications that help her do life. I love this description in the audio. She talks about her history of developing a neurological autoimmune disease. And she says this, quote, Before I needed drugs, I knew that I was more enlightened and more self-disciplined than people who needed medication to function. My sense of superiority, unnamed and unconscious, pulsed just below my skin. Less hidden was my belief that people who needed prescriptions to get through the day were obviously suffering from their own laziness, ignorance, poor life choices. My certainty of doing better then grew from a worldview that imagines we are masters of our fate. We show up to life, and by sheer force of will, we can avoid addiction, overcome the ailments of our impoverished or ignorant predecessors, and take advantage of education and self-discipline that create a level playing field for all. Health is the natural reward for clean living and an upright moral character. Before I needed drugs. If we forget our brokenness, that we, we, we born into this human race are born into a broken system and broken bodies, brokenness. If we forget that, we can have this I'm better than you perspective when we look at other people. It said that uh, John Bradford, a 16th century preacher who eventually was martyred for his faith, he once saw some people who had bro- broken the law led to the scaffold to be executed. It said that he said, There but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. When you see a news report of someone that did a horrendous crime, do you think to yourself, There but for the grace of God go I? Or do you think instead, I'd never do that? We are broken. We are broken, and when we remember we are broken, we can view others with empathy and with grace. Yet, if we forget that we are beautiful, if we forget that we are made in God's image, it's easy to have an inferiority complex, making ourselves smaller and smaller and looking to other people to build us up and fill the void in our heart when we don't believe that we're beautiful. We are broken, we are beautiful, each of these perspectives are right, they're both incomplete, but let me tell you the, the twist here. Both are true, both are incomplete, we need both, but in the end, both don't really matter, they don't. Because what we learn from scripture again and again is not how bad we are, it's not how good we are, it's how loved we are. We are beloved, beloved. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, the Lord appeared to him from far away, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. Or first John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. You are God's beloved. Can you turn to a neighbor and say, you are God's beloved? Can you tell them that today? They might need a reminder. You are God's Beloved. Vanessa Williams Lewis um, is studying her her, uh, in the School Divinity here across the street, and she's also um, interning with us as a pastor here. We're so grateful. Vanessa, you can wave your hand if you don't mind. Okay, there's there's Vanessa. I'm enjoying meeting with Vanessa and learning about her story, um, incredible way the Lord has guided in her life. Um, She started a nonprofit um, called Help and Hope. And she works with families in Zimbabwe and Zambia um, bringing help and hope, helping communities building sink wells for, uh, to get uh, water that's not contaminated, and all sorts of things, building support groups, having a wellness clinic. I was so blessed by her ministry, and she told me a story that happened this week that touched my heart um, and shocked me. Um, She got a call from one of the ladies that she works with telling her this story. Her friend, another lady, thought that in the middle of the night, she heard a baby crying. And she lives in a compound, another word for a small village, a lot of homes together. Um, And she lived there, and, and she thought she heard a baby crying, but she was wondering, well, maybe she imagined it because this lady, sadly, had lost a baby not that much before she thought she heard that baby crying in her mind. And so she heard this cry. So, so she thought, well, it's probably my imagination. It's past midnight. I'm going to go to bed. So she went to bed in the morning. She got her fire going, the emeralds to get porridge for the, her boys and send them off to school on the dirt path that they would walk there. And she was wiping down the breakfast bench when she heard the sound again. She said, no, that's not an animal. That must be a baby crying and so she went and she she looked and she looked around and and she was looking where it came from and she running around went to the community um pit latrine you can see a picture of how one of these works Um, but it's a shared toilet um where where people uh use it there um in the community and she heard this cry again and she thought horror of horrors i think there's a baby in there (laughs) So she she started yelling for help, a baby, help, a baby, she yelled, and soon people gathered and they were straining for a better view and shrinking away as the realization dawned that someone would need to go down for a rescue mission. The crying at this point had stopped. But finally, someone went down into the filth of human excrement and hauled a mass of greenish, yellowish, slimy flesh from the latrine. Against all odds, it was a baby and there was life in it. I want you to see a picture of this community surrounding this baby. This just happened. Um, Let's see if we can see that video. The people are working together to frantically clean this baby's skin. Baby, Vanessa called him Joseph, pulled from a pit. Pulled from a pit, the baby uh, was, was rescued and taken to the hospital. And as the police did an investigation, there was a single mother, 22-year-old, um, who had a daughter already and just couldn't see how she could care for another one. Joseph dropped down into the filth from the warmth of a mother's womb to the pit. You may have a hard time loving yourself today. You might have identified yourselves with the feces that you have fallen into. But that is not you. Yes, you are broken. We are all broken. We've landed in this broken world, but you are beautiful, and more than that, you are beloved. This morning, you might feel like your world has fallen, and there's nothing left living for. Friends, my heart has been broken by the images coming from Turkey and Syria um, this week absolutely broken on monday a magnitude 7.8 earthquake struck eastern turkey near the syrian border at 4:17 a.m. local time everybody sleeping one world vision staff member shared while we were sleeping the house started shaking i ran to my children i did not know which one to carry i could not reach the door the distance was very far and a minute of time was like years of helplessness and fear The earthquake has killed more than 23,000 people in Turkey and Syria, many of whom were refugees already living on the margins. You may feel, not that you've gone through a physical earthquake like this, but that your world has been shaken. And you might feel like everything has fallen apart. And you might not feel it right now, but you are... Beloved, and God, my friends, God is like one of those rescuers tearing through the rubble looking for you. Giving water to trapped children from water bottle lists. This is just one of the many images a child trapped, getting water with the little uh, lid of a water bottle. This week, another newborn was found. Baby Aya meaning miracle or sign from God in Arabic. She was pulled from the rubble in Syria, still attached, born under the rubble, still attached to her mother with the umbilical cord, pulled from that rubble, and sadly, tragically, her whole family, her whole immediate family died. Um, and she was taken to the hospital, and um, amazingly, she had been alive on her own for several hours, but she's being treated in the hospital, and the hospital manager, Dr. Ataya, said, um, there were thousands of people on social media that saw this story, and they said, I want to adopt that baby. I want to adopt that baby. Thousands of people said, give me that baby, and the, the hospital director Um, said, I won't allow anyone to adopt her now until her distant family return. I'm treating her like one of my own. Dr. Ataya, they have a four-month-old, and so his wife is breastfeeding baby Aya till they can reunite her with a great uncle that's coming to get her. Friends, before the foundation of this world was shaken, before the foundation shook, before the rubble, Scripture says God chose to adopt us. Scripture says we are beloved. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved we are beloved because he is beloved because there is a beloved there's a beloved that went into that latrine for us and said i'm going to get all that junk on me in me i'm going to even ingest it for you we are beloved because there were the beloved that tore through the rubble to find us. And here's the beautiful thing. God didn't decide to adopt us after we landed in the rubble, like those thousands of people on social media. God intended to adopt us, it said, before the foundation of the world. Before those mountains went up. Before those buildings were built, we had a God that said, I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to send a beloved to invite you, a creature, into my very family, into my mode of existence. And this was my plan for you from the very beginning. You are beloved. When we're beloved, we can reject the negative self-talk that says we're no good, that threatens to poison us. When we're beloved, we can reject the mountains of demands from other people that we try to answer so we can prove ourselves to them. We can reject that because we're already beloved from before the foundation of the world. When we're beloved, we can turn back to God and say, yes, God, I give you my heart. Yes, God, I give you my soul, I give you my mind, I give you my strength, I will love you forever because you have loved me from forever. We are beloved. And so this Valentine's Day, you may have all sorts of feelings about Valentine's Day. It may be something you are dreading, it may be something you're looking forward to, but this Valentine's Day, I want you to take a moment and look in the mirror. And I want you to say, I am broken, I am beautiful, but most of all, I am beloved. Then sometime this week, do something just for you to show yourself that you are beloved. Amen?